Welcome to Crab Chat, the unofficial fantasy review that you never wanted nor asked for. I'm your host, that's right. I lie set doing a solo studio gig this week in an effort to turn my fantasy fortunes around. Apologies for the delayed audio, I'm doing it by myself. I'm moving, my fingers are moving fast, the hands are going everywhere. I'm sweating here and it's 12.56 at night. So this might be a short one. I apologize, but we'll give it our best shot. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Now for the headlines. All good things that go up must come down. Sam suffers first loss of the season to come back to reality. Carnage, carnage and more carnage. Big guns pull a Margaret River slash Byron Bay hammy and are set for a holiday stint on the sidelines. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. High player scores galore in round six. And finally, a fantasy first. You thought 1300 was crazy. Well, we got 1400. Will it ever be repeated? I hope you enjoy the uh, YouTube lo-fi chill late night magic mix it'll be playing throughout the pod the podcast so again thank you youtube and late night lo-fi magic so let's uh let's go back let's have a quick look at the results here and what around it was unfortunately another loss for the license as we slip to two and four I've had to swallow some pride and I'll have to congratulate Jordan Dinger, although it really kills me to do it on a a well-earned victory. 1,122 to 1,006. We had the Mandalorians, as mentioned, Sam going down for the first time this season. 976. To Zach, registering a much-needed win, the Canning River Scoopers at 1,107. We had the Bowdens taking a headline, scoring 1,454. What the actual fuck? Is that possible? And they unfortunately faced Simon Ringrose, Giuseppe and Los Bola aficionados, who scored 1,038. We had the chicken Casadoble rolling on to secure a victory, 1,224 to the Robos Janitors, 1,152. Unfortunately, the Janitor and James Marocchi combo hasn't linked up as it would have liked to so far this season. We had the Jumbo Seafood Awaylee Abortion somehow get in a victory, 1,091. Beat Curl Hems Crabs, 1,060. Now, we will be hearing more about this result as this podcast goes on. Can you believe it? Curl Hems Crabs, what were you thinking? And finally, rounding out round six results, we had Crustacean FC, Jared, going down with a solid score of 1,176. Been beaten by The Claw, Morgan, polling 1,200. 
and getting the victory that takes him to five and one and a new leader at the top of the ladder. So Morgs, well done. A big turnaround from last year. So yes, looking to the ladder, we've got Morgan and the Claw sitting pretty at the top. Won five in a row after losing round one, I believe. We've got Sam Gillis also at five and one, suffering first loss on the weekend. They are a game clear ahead of Nathan, who is making a charge, it must be said. Currently the highest scoring fantasy player. He's sitting on four wins, two losses in third spot. We've got the Chicken Casserole or the Casa Dobles. They've moved up to fourth, sitting on three wins, two losses and a draw. How's that even happen? And unfortunately, Pubic Lice STIFC sitting on three wins, two losses and one draw also. Moved down to Jumbo at six, Crustacean at seven. Canning Canning River Scoopers jump up to eighth. Big jump for them. Robbo's Janitors slide to ninth. The Lice slide to 10th. Los Bola Aficionados slide to 11th. And the Hell and the Curl Herms Crabs sitting pretty at 12th on the bottom of the ladder. Five losses on the trot. Something must be done about the coaching at the Herms Crabs. So it's getting interesting. There's starting to get some separation amongst the league here. It's uh, time for the movers and the shakers. I do recall in the first season of the league, one chicken casserole was not doing too well, languishing, I believe, in 11th position. And it was about this round, six, six rounds in, where he really turned it on, turned his fortunes around and ended up having a stellar season. So it can be done, coaches. Don't lose, don't lose faith. Don't give up on the dream. I am still dreaming, maybe for no reason, but I'm still dreaming. It can be done. We're now going to have a look at some of the pigs for the last round. And can you believe it? Did we have some pigs this week? Holy moly. I do not believe I've ever seen a round like this before. There were just some incredible scores, I don't think. Well, we've witnessed it before, and I don't. I don't think it will be repeated. However, players seem to be playing for their own fantasy scores these days. So who knows? Lots of chip to chip, lots of crabs becoming good all of a sudden. I don't know. I just. I just don't agree with it. But anyway, here goes. We had the the biggest pig of the week, and he keeps doing it week after week, getting. Picking up the seagull, picking up his chips in the back line. And that's Jack Zebel, a massive score of 170. And captained by the Phantom himself, Nathan. We had Jack McRae, 159, also in Nathan's team. We had Ben Keyes coming in at third highest score with 156. Now, Ben Keyes, I think three weeks ago, was a free agent. We had Darcy Parrish, my boy from last season, who caused me many headaches. Finally blossoming, coming good, doing what I thought a year ago. Scoring 150 fantasy points, coming in fourth for the week. Winning the Anzac Day medal 
in doing so and also win me a nice $60. Thank you very much, Mr. Parrish. We had Mitch Duncan, fifth highest scorer with 146. The guy just scores fantasy points. I just, he just does not stop. It's incredible. Josh Kennedy, someone who has discovered the fountain of youth, he just goes and goes and goes. 146, I suppose equal fifth with Duncan there. And then out of nowhere, I cannot believe this even happened, Lockie Ash, a former free agent. I think he was picked up last week by Nathan. 146, equal fifth with Duncan. Just absolute carnage in the GWS backline. Chip to chip, kick to kick, kick mark. It was just a nightmare if you were playing the, the opposition who happened to have the GWS players? I think Isaac Cumming, to name someone else. You got Lockie Whitfield. Oh, no, he hasn't even taken the fucking field yet. Thank you, Lockie Whitfield. Anyway, we'll move on. Someone who's come out of the uh, come down, come back from space, Seb Ross, a former fantasy gun. He's been not doing anything at all this year. Eighth highest scorer of the round with 145 points. And I believe Ben, he is swimming in Le Pool. Or as Giuseppe and all his followers out there would say, La Piscina. We had Caleb Sarong coming at nine with 143. He was in the pool as well until just prior to the Freo game when he was snapped up and played. Very good coaching there. I actually forget who that was by. Uh, can we find it? Probably not. Who was the good coach? Definitely wasn't me. I was not privy to that, although we should have considered it, considering Chera was out. But anyway, oh, we move on. No, 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 it was Zach. Zach, and that really helped to get him across the line, 143 points. We'll speed it up. Toik Miller came in at 10 with 142 Callum Mills, 142. The guy is just having a ripper season. 13 was Cristiano Salem with 141. Oh, my God. Christian Petrarca, 137 at 14th of the round. And we'll go up to 15 places. Carl Amon. Now, I'm very upset following the unbelievable game Carl Amon had and scoring 136 fantasy points. Was absolutely on fire against the Saints. Should have been awarded the Anzac Day medal for his efforts and collected me a lovely $72. However, he was overlooked for Ollie Wines. Very pissed off about that. But well done to Robbo's janitors who free agent, who free agented Carl Amon and was able to enjoy those 136 points. So yes, there you go. 15 absolute pigs from last round. The lowest score there, 136 by Carl Amon. That is just insane. You if you scored 136 and that was the top and you were the top scorer, you'd be bloody stoked with that. So just an unbelievable round of fantasy scoring. Obviously, all these players getting getting into their own dream teams now, just getting little cheap possessions and points, doing what they need to do. Not a fan, not a fan. But anyway, maybe I'm just salty. 
All right, we'll talk through the results a little more in depth because it is warranted. Now we have, all right, we'll go to the, the first round per the uh, the fantasy AFL order or the first matchup, which was Pubic Lice, SDIFC, and myself, the Lysets. Look, Dinger, unfortunately, he's got a captain that he can rely on, and that's Clayton Oliver. Big Clayton coming in with 248 or 124 times two. That's handy when you know you can rely on someone to easily go above a ton. It's it's a big help. And then on Friday night, he got Tom Liberatore, fucking Tom Liberatore scoring 131 points. Like... What the hell? That just does not happen. So there you go. Friday night, I'm already down in the dumps. Dan Houston, 127. Fucking Houston, we don't have a problem because that's just bullshit. Nat Fife doing very well for him, scoring over 100 in that game against North. So whoever's playing North, just put them in your team. You know they're going to do well. And then it's just an all too familiar tale for the Lysettes. No clear captain choice. Go to McGrath, who last week did good. McGrath scores an 80. Hunter, leave the VC on him, hoping he's going to come good, and he just continues to be shit. The captaincy moved off Brayshaw, who'd been quiet the past couple of weeks. And what's Brayshaw do? Has a belter, goes 120. Just can't be one. And then to rub salt into the... To the already gaping wounds, Kane Lambert goes down in the early into the third quarter, and with that, so did any chance of a Lysett victory. We move on to Sam Gillis, and Sam too is just unfortunately, unfortunately, another another person who's copped a serious injury to one Dustin Martin. A very key midfield forward for him, going down early. He also lost Nick Haynes, who was on his bench in the first quarter as well in the GWS game, but it's on his bench, so it doesn't really need much of a mention. Just his defence this week, Duggan and Saad, 40 and 45 respectively, just gave him absolutely nothing. He had some good scores in there from Darcy Parrish, 150. I mean, turn that around 300, and that gets him the win if he was to captain him. But, yeah, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And then you've got the Canning River Scoopers, who finally got a good game out of Steel side bottom, and that was really the difference between Steel side bottom and then some unbelievable coaching to get Caleb Sorong into the mix last minute to score him 143 points. Just, that's a masterstroke. Well done, Zach. You needed a win and you pulled it off. We move on to the Bowdens and Lost Boller. And poor Simon, he just had no chance from the outset. First game of the round, or first, yeah, first game of the round, you've got McRae scoring 159. You've got Lockie Aish, 146 come in 102, and Dunkley even got injured in the third quarter, or third or fourth, scoring 100, even though he went off early. So it was sadly just about all over for Simon. 
And then it's not like Simon had a bad round. I mean, he's got some bad plays. He had Scrimshaw in his team getting a 49. Parfit scoring a 48. Ooh, that's got to hurt. Kelly with 52. So some underperformers there for Simon. I'm sure he'll do some wheeling and dealing and look to uh, trade in some further talent. But an easy win there for Nathan Amaral scoring the largest total I think we'll ever see in the What Mud Crab 4.0 league. Moving on to the Chicken Casseroles and the Robbo's Janitors. Now, this was a close matchup. I mean, in the end, separated by 72 points. But... I mean, Robbo's got a very reliable captain choice in Zach Merritt. 250 he scored, but oh, Mitch Duncan, 292. That is a lot of fantasy points from one player. Then you've got Mundy, who, again, is another player that's rediscovered the fountain of youth. Jack Steele, Crisp, Tom Stewart. I cannot believe I traded Tom Stewart. And Rowan Marshall, all going over 100. And then you get a little... Emergency on your bench, Ed Kerno, who you play, score 131. Thank you very much. You can ignore how shit Ben's forward line is when you're getting other scores around the ground like that. So unfortunately, Robbo, who had a pretty good week and scored well, just not enough in this situation to beat the chicken Casadobles. Then we move on to the Jumbo Seafood and the Curl Herms Krebs. Curl, we still hope you're with us. Please reach out if you need a chat, if you need a friend. We want to check if you are okay after single-handedly gifting John the win. John didn't have a bad round. He got Doherty, who looked like he might have been injured early, 126. He captained Neil, who was, I think, had a hip, had a head knock. He had everything go wrong for him in that game. So he only got him 88 times two. And then we've got Bontempelli. Sorry, 88. wasn't even 88. It was 78. 78 times two. Had Bontempelli go over 100. Ollie Wines, 129. Darcy, 108. Curl. And then you look at Curl. So, you know, Jumbo gets a respectable 1,091. Has... Darcy Byrne-Jones on his bench with 120 as well. That would have been a good way of propping himself over the 1,100 mark. But then you come to Curl Herms Crab. Cannot believe it. Callum Mills, 142. That's lovely. You'll take that any day of the week. You've got Trelaw scoring 115 with the VC. So Curl's thinking, right, I'll get him in my side. Let's add Shuey. We'll put the captaincy on Shuey. We'll double Trelaw's score. And then that'll mean we'll play one of our mids on the bench. Sam Menegola, 75 points. Two other midfielders on his bench. Noah Anderson, 120 points. Dyson Heppel, defender as well as a midfielder, 142 points. What does Kyle do in order to... Loop in Trelaw's score. Well, he emergencies Sam May, 90 points, as well as, as previously mentioned, Menegola, 75. 
and he ends up falling 31 points short. Play Anderson instead of Menegola or Heppel, that's the win. That's it. It was that simple. Noah Anderson, Dyson Heppel. Leave Heppel in your side instead of putting in Howe and taking Mays 90. And what do you get? You get a victory. Don't mess with your team. Is this another reason for not having rolling lockouts? Or is this actually a reason for having rolling lockouts? You can, it can win you a game to use the lockout. Or it can even lose you the game. I don't know. But worth considering. We move on. Actually... Yes, one final matchup in round six. This is probably going to be terrible, but we're only getting one take of it. We've got Jared with 11.76 versus the Claw 1200. Now, this was a nail biter. Very close. Very, very close. Some huge scores for Jared. Guthrie 110. Ben Keys, my boy, 156. Oh, I cannot believe I didn't pick him up. Salem, 141, Laird, 109, Zorko, 111, 111, and he's left Chera in and taken Branda, played Jared Branda's 39, and what's the difference here? 24 points, so Jared may be considered anyone else but Jared Branda to play against Geelong away at, well, what is it, S- formerly skilled stadium, Simon St- Simmons Stadium, some health centre stadium now. Pick up any other free agent probably as a midfielder in the pool and you're probably going to get those extra 25 points you need to get the win. So Jared, actually that might be a nomination for the Archie Dickens, but we're going to do it a little bit different than the Archie Dickens this week, unfortunately. And then you've got the claw, just solid all round. Petrarca, 137. Luke Parker, 105. Toik Miller, 142. Hugh McCluggage, 108. Max Gorn, set and forget captain with 107. Tom Powell, the rookie, 102. And then even on his bench, he had Paul Seedsman with 103. Actually, great coaching. Seedsman wouldn't have even been in his best for mid. So leaving Seedsman on the bench was a good choice. So Jared really probably could have got yourself the win there if you picked someone better other than Jared Brander. Yeeks. All right. Well, they're the clangers, they're the bangers. That's the they're the results talked through. <sighs> We're going to have a little look here at one of the headlines, carnage, carnage and more carnage. It really was a round of injuries as well for some of for some of our fantasy fantasy coaches and probably none more so than my man Kane Lambert. What a big loss he's going to be for Richmond and what a big loss he's going to be for the Lysets. But no, he's really not the biggest person to go down this week. Currently, I'm looking for the list of injuries. However, they seem to have escaped me. So that's not good. But we all know Dusty Martin went down this week with an injury that's likely to seem out for an extended period of time. <sighs> Apologies as I run through this one. We had Ling Jong 
unfortunately make his way back into the team and injure himself. I suppose it's no one really worth noting. He's not on any team. But speaking of Western Bulldogs players, Josh Dunkley out 12 to 16 weeks in a massive blow for Nathan Amaral. Is this where we see some cracks start to form in Nathan's team? You know, he's had his he's at his bro he's at his uh his two bros, I suppose. The two the bro club there, the Dunkley McRae combo, but without Dunkley, will McRae continue to dominate? Will the Bowdens continue their march towards finals? It might be a turning point in this season. So stay stay tuned. We had Jeremy McGovern go down for a, a period of time that is to be confirmed. So the governor is more than likely out of this week's Western Derby, causing some headaches there for fantasy coaches. He is rostered at the moment. We've got... Going through... Ooh. Just looking here, Jimmy Webster, a test for this week. Guys, like I said, strong consideration should be given for Jimmy Webster. Get him back in your team. Brad Hill out. I don't think Brad Hill's own, but he was another one injured the past week. We're just scrolling through the list here. Port Adelaide came out unscathed from their last game win over St Kilda. It's not looking good for the injury list at North Melbourne, but fortunately they didn't lose anyone on the weekend. Jed Anderson still four to six weeks away. Is he still worth rostering on your bench? Not 100% sure there. Melbourne, nothing to note. Hawthorne, Sean Burgoyne was injured on the weekend. Another guy who is unowned in our league. It's getting lonely here without some support. For you fans of dual position players out there, an injury also to Marco O'Connor, hamstring, so likely three weeks out for O'Connor. A slight, an, an emerging fantasy player, we must say, this season. Had some big weeks and been dual position. Could be handy to having your team back end of the year. Another major injury blow this week, however, and really hitting the way Lee team is Lockie Neal. Eight weeks with an ankle injury. So that score that he got of 78, you know, he got that with an ankle injury, a head knock, a hip complaint, and he still played on. So gutsy... Gutsy for Neil to fight out that game, and that could have been the difference in the win for Jumbo Seafood or Whaley abortion. Having Neil actually fight out the match, get a few, scrap up a few fantasy points, get, he, get Jumbo across the line, but he'll now be without Neil and his, uh, his lock-in captain choice for likely eight weeks. So yes, another round of carnage for the fantasy coaches across the league. But with carnage comes great opportunity. And great opportunity has been taken by a few coaches who have dived into the restricted free agency pool. 
The pool was kicked off this week by Jumbo taking Seb Ross after his massive performance with 145 fantasy points, dropping Jamie Cripps from the Eagles. We had, I don't even know the guy's first name, maybe Devin Robertson, Dylan Robertson, I don't know, someone from Brisbane get picked up by Sam and the Mandaclorians for Errol Golden, who started like a house on fire, but has slowly tapered off in the past couple of weeks. I will say that Sam then tried to on-trade me, this D. Robinson bloke, for a defender, but sorry, we're not having that, Sam. Bit of a low blow offering me recently acquired players. We had Hayden Crozier get snapped up by the Canning River Scoopers, so a Western Bulldog for a fellow Western Bulldog injured player, Bailey Williams. So not a bad pickup there by Zach. And one pickup that I think went a bit underrated, and this was also by Zach as a second restricted free agency request, was another one, I've forgotten his first name, bloody Ryan Burton of Port Adelaide had a nice, I think it was 125 points that he picked up on the weekend, put straight into the Canning River Scoopers defense. So a good, a good pickup there. Then we had Isaac Quainor. He's been a bit of a yo-yo into the pool, out of the pool, into the pool, out of the pool. A frequent swimmer picked up by Mandaclorian as a free agent for Nick Haynes. Unfortunately, Nick Haynes has yet to regain his elite fantasy football status. He's now swimming in the pool and nursing an injury, joining fellow players at Byron Bay with the Byron Bay hammy and having a holiday. We've got Josh Dacos being picked up by Sam, who has really revamped his team this week with, with three new additions. Lockie Fogarty, yeah, I mean, don't know why Lockie Fogarty was even owned, to be honest. But Dacos into the Mandalorian side. You then had Crustacean FC reaching into the pool to grab a ruck in Reese Stanley and dropping him for Sam Wicks, who is a restricted agent forward for Sydney. Might actually be a good pickup for someone, so we'll see if uh, anyone's looking to put dibs on Sam Wicks who had had a very hot start to the year. We then had the very own hoster of this terrible podcast this evening, That's the Way, Uh-Huh, Uh-Huh, I Lice It, dip into the free agent pool, not hurting his restricted free agency status, and taking Braden, Brendan, Braden Ainsworth, dropping him, picking up Ainsworth and dropping his fellow Gold Coast forward, Darcy McPherson, who sounds like he'll be spending a few weeks in the twos. Something needed to be done. And then we had the Herms Krebs looking to bring some ruck support in and taking Shane Mumford, who I'll be surprised if he even plays this week, and dropping Luke Shuey, who was the famously captained non-playing player that has likely caused the Herms Krebs last week's loss. So not too much activity this past week in the, uh, in the free agency pool compared to last week's mayhem. We're getting to the, the near end of the podcast for this week, but we thought we would just do a little deep dive 
and look into the draft and pick out some early contenders for the late draft excellence. And we look back at round 15 and a steal, an absolute steal by the Canning River Scoopers would have to be Brandon Ellis taking pick 170 pick, 176 with the fifth last pick in the draft. Brandon Ellis was taken by the Scoopers and he's currently sitting on a very, very juicy average of 108 fantasy points. So immaculate drafting there by Zach McCarry. McCarry? Yeah, what's going to have to be McCarry because no one's here to correct me. We go to round 14 and pick, ooh, pick 160 by Curl Hermskrebs. Dyson Heppel, pick 160. And I believe he did pick him and mentioned that he'd likely get defender status. So a great pick up there at pick 160. Pity when he uh, already knew he would get defender status at some point during the year that he wouldn't actually put him in his side for round six when Heppel would have single-handedly won him the matchup. Not good, Kyle, not good. Round 13, we move to pick 149. Your very own, the fantasy favourite, Harrison Morrison of Hawthorne was Early on in the piece, looking like an absolute steal, the defender midfielder from Hawthorne. However, form has tapered off in recent weeks and it might actually turn out to be a dud pick. So let's forget about him altogether. But one other steal, and I'll give a shout out. I wouldn't normally give this guy a shout out. Not his biggest fan, but anyway, he was also someone that didn't show up to the draft because I think he had to wash his girlfriend's sheets or something like that. Not 100% sure. But Jumbo Seafood, a Whaley abortion, picking Ed Langdon up at pick 141. He's been averaging a nice 94. Kind of flies under the radar in that Melbourne midfield, sitting out on the wide, luscious green spaces of the MCG. So good pick up there, Jumbo. And that's probably where we'll leave it at round 12. You know, going any further back than that, we start to see some, we start to see some, you know, pretty pretty good names there. Oh, I'd hate to see what my picks were, but anyway, we move on to everyone's favourite segment and everyone's favourite weekly award, the Archie Dickens. And this week, there can be one only. I'm sorry about the lack of options for the viewers out there. But when you, look at, when you look at the fixtures from last week, when you consider the ramifications that await the loser, the 12th placed, 12th placed winner, I should say, the 12th placed winner, when you consider the ramifications that are out there, the 24 Big Macs in 24, well, 24 hours at McDonald's and you minus one hour every Big Mac you eat. So not exactly a, uh, a, healthy, a healthy exercise there at McDonald's, being lack of sleep, being potential, I don't know, 
issues with other members of society that frequent McDonald's restaurants. I'm not one to frequent that, so I'm not exactly looking forward to it, although I'm slightly nervous that I am one of the people who is likely to be having to do this again. But anyway, enough of that. So when you look back, it was really a no contest this week. Like Stephen Bradbury gliding to the gold medal finish line whilst the other skaters slid helplessly, a young Kyle and his Herms creds slid and scuttled helplessly further towards the bottom of the ladder. And let's see why Kyle gets this Archie Dickens award, not a nomination, just the award, after single-handedly losing himself the round. We go back, it was discussed earlier, but we go back to it. Jumbo with a hundred with a thousand and ninety-one. Herms Krebs with a thousand and sixty. Sitting on the Herms Krebs bench, not played, are scores of one hundred and twenty and scores of one hundred and forty-two. You put Heppel, who recently got the defender status, you're thinking, right, Dyson Heppel. He will be starting defender for probably most people in this league, definitely for me anyway. You know, you put Heppel in your side and Kyle gets a win. He gets the win. He gets the win comfortably. He did play Stephen May who got 90, but he gets the win and he would be winning by 21 points. You put Noah Anderson in there for Brad Crouch or instead of Sam Menegola. Noah Anderson, who had an early matchup as well. So if Noah Anderson was put as the emergency mid, you could have very easily loop hold his 120 into your side. But no, Kyle did not emergency Noah Anderson. He moved starting Heppel from the back line, put him on the bench took Sam May's 90. It's just coaching clangers all around. It's the stuff you read about. You love to see, but you hate to do it yourself. And this is why this week there was only one Archie Dickens nomination. So Kyle, congratulations, mate. You've officially been dicked. And there you have it. We move on to our predictions and tips for round seven. Oh, round seven. All right, so we've got the fifth place pubic lice playing the eighth place Canning River Scoopers. Zach coming off a pretty good score, starting to feel pretty good about himself. And you've got Dinger who posted a very respectable score to beat the Lysets. I'm actually going to tip in this one Dinger. I don't think Caleb Sarong's going to be able to repeat his magic. They got Zach to win last week. So I'm going to go with Dinger. I hate to say it, but it has to be done. You move on to matchup two. That's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Alasset versus Giuseppe and Los Bola aficionados. Oh, I'd hate to back myself. I really would. And Los Bola come into a little bit of form this past week, but I think I finally dropped the captain curse. The captaincy is going to work out for the Lysets this week, and I think he's going to get the win. You get Then we move on to Sam and the Mandalorian FC against Robbo and his janitors. It's hard to go against Sam. 
But I'm going to go with Tim this week. I think after Sam took his first loss for the reason, for the reason, for the season, I think it's going to become a more familiar pattern for the Mandalorian. So, Robbo, you better get the result done this week, mate. But if you lose, look, I won't be happy because you got the same, uh, you've got the same win-loss ratio as me. The Bowden's up against the Herms Krebs. It will actually be a Bowden's minus Dunkley. So it is possible for Kyle to actually get a result, but it's hard to tip against the Bowden's. So Nathan, you are my tip for this week. We then got the Casserole against the Claw in what could prove to be the match of the round. It will be up there. And I'm actually going to give the uh, I'm going to give the vote here to the casserole. I think Ben is going to pull the upset. He's going to beat the claw, knock the the claw down from its from its perch. He's going to actually he's going to pinch that claw, and it's actually going to grab one of the toys for once. So Ben, you're going to grab a prize and take home the win this week. And then we go to Jumbo Seafood v. Jared and Crustacean FC. And I actually think Crustacean FC is uh, flying under the radar a little bit. I'm going to give Crustacean FC the chocolates here. I think they will get the job done. Just uh, scrolling through the lineups here. I actually think... It could be a very, very close encounter going off the averages, but Jared, you've got my vote. And like that, people, we've come to the end of another episode. Can you believe it? Somehow, 42 minutes has passed. I thought this would take me about 20 minutes and I've been rambling on shit for that amount of time. But when it comes to a late night, I don't know what helps you wind down. But I don't mind a little bit of this. Giuseppe and your followers out there, mate, this one's from you, an absolute special. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Dinger, this song's actually for you, mate. This is what I feel like saying to you after your win. It's a nicer place. I shut up your face. Good night.